And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. And we're getting a little historical, getting a little constitutional in the discussion here this evening. And again, I was sort of motivated to do this by a lot of the debates. And it wasn't just in the context of this IU symposium that apparently went on last night. And I really am going to go out and try to find this thing. I, I, I kind of forgot the date. I was just looking at the link here at the top of the show and realized it actually went on last night. I, of course, was not invited to speak or otherwise, which is... Uh, about as shocking as the sun coming up this morning, but uh, you know, I just I want to I want to just put an end to some of these debates in terms of I, we don't need those of us who who respect and, and 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 or exercise Second Amendment rights. We don't need to involve ourselves in these debates. We can shut them off. They're resolved. They're over. No, I don't need to be in a militia. In the 1791 sense, that's the year the Second Amendment was ratified. I am in the militia. Because I'm the whole of the body of the people. I don't know. There's an argument I'm too old. I'm well beyond 45. (laughs) But the idea is the whole of the body of the people were armed at home. And they, they weren't just armed so that they could be called up to participate in the militia to defend the security and the freedom of this great country. They were armed at home because they wanted to be able to defend their homes and their families. It was an integral part. Supreme Court has ruled on this. Self-defense is a part of the Second Amendment. You hear this current president say, you don't need an AR-15 to hunt. Second Amendment's not about hunting, Mr. President. It's certainly, the Second Amendment envisioned, and to some fraction, to some component of the motivation for it, realized people needed arms to put food on the table. But it's not certainly not limited to that. And self-defense is the central component of the motivation for the founders, including the Second Amendment and the Constitution. That is also included right there in the Heller decision. And anybody wants to wants to try to limit you to say you don't need this, that, or the other firearm for hunting. That is not even worthy of a response. Second Amendment isn't about hunting. It's much more about self-defense and defending yourself from a tyrannical government than it is about hunting. The the famous midnight ride of Paul Revere. He's talking about the colonists need to grab their arms and be prepared to begin the defense of this fledgling infant country. Because the British were coming, the regulars were out, is much more likely a thing for him to have been saying, because everybody was British back then. But the Redcoats were out, the the regular army was out. But when he rode through the countryside, and he was warning the citizens essentially to arm themselves and make ready... It's calling upon the Minutemen, right, because they could be ready in a minute to participate in their local, yes, militia to stand up against tyranny. But in riding through the countryside, he did not ride through saying the deer are coming, the deer are coming. It's not what we're talking about here. Is it implicit? Is it included? Sure. And the Heller decision, looking at the whole historical context and doing a very deep dive into the founding and the, and the documents we have surrounding it, 
concluded that's part of it, but it's not the principal motivation. It's not what we're talking about here. And that's why they wanted the people to be armed, the whole of the body of the people, including you and me. So, yeah, in the 1791 sense, I am in the militia. I don't need to put on camo and run around in the woods with a group of other guys. If you do that and you train that way, God bless you. Good for you. But I can be called upon in the sense of the the meaning of the Second Amendment to, to friend the security of a free state. Two words, security of a free state. Do we want the militia, the people, the whole the body of the people to be stand to be able to stand up right next to a standing army and defend this country from foreign invaders like they did against the British? Not only in the War for Independence, but in 1812. Sure we did. That's where the security of a free state comes from. But the word free is in there for a reason. Which is to be able to stand up to a tyrannical government. And this is the other debate. People will pop, pipe up all the time. And I just saw this one. In fact, I responded to this one. Somebody said, anybody would have to be an idiot to believe that the Second Amendment means or intended for people to be able to stand up to the government because here you are putting it into a document that creates a government. You wouldn't be creating a government through the the, the drafting and, and the ratification of the Constitution and in the same document put it in a means to destroy that same government. It's absurd, was the post I saw, to believe that you would include a means of opposing the government in a document that creates that same government. And, you know, it just may be on a visceral reaction, on a gut-level reaction, you may listen to that and go, well, hold on, that, make me, that makes some sense. <laughs> not, not until you get into the rest of the founding documents. Because go back to the discussion I, I put in the Declaration of Independence. The, the, the discussion I had on, on, on the language of the Declaration of Independence. And these are the same folks. Now, Jefferson was a primary author of the Declaration of Independence. Madison was the primary author of the Second Amendment. But these folks worked hand in hand. They're all there. They're all participating, whether the Continental Congress or otherwise. And we're of like mind on these issues. And it's interesting because, yes, why would they secure the right to bear arms in the Second Amendment in the same document that create is creating a, do a document? Excuse me, creating a government? goes right back to the language I mentioned earlier in the Declaration of Independence. To, to secure these ends, that is, protecting unalienable rights, among these being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these ends, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. Now, interesting, they use the term right of the people. So, if my government that I've helped establish, again, governments are established among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. So I have consented to a particular form of government, just exactly as would happen 
if our Constitution were to be ratified by the states, which it was. So now I've created a form of government, or in the terms of the Declaration, instituted a form of government. Great. And the Constitution that's out there to be ratified gets ratified. So, yes, it's created a form of government. People say, oh, well, it would never put something in there that would allow people to oppose that same government when you're creating a government. Really? What's the next line? Or what is that line I just mentioned, I should say, of the Declaration of Independence said? However, when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. And they use the same phrase, right of the people. So hold on. Yes, I'm creating a government. Yes, that form of government in the form of our Constitution has been ratified. However, I have the reserve clause. I have the exit clause. (laughs) I have the escape clause of the Second Amendment, which says, yes, we're creating this form of government right here within this document within the Constitution of the United States of America. But if this form of government, either because of the people that we've chosen to govern or because of defects within the system of government we yet have, yet have not yet identified, being a completely new experiment, never been tried before in the history of the world, if this form of government were to become destructive of the ends of securing the natural rights of the people, then hell yes, the people shall have the right to alter or abolish it. The right of the people to alter or abolish a tyrannical government, just like the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. You don't think those two things go together? You think that's a coincidence they use that same phrase, right of the people to alter or abolish a tyrannical government, and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed? Of course they go together. They go together perfectly. It's hand in glove. And that's why that's exactly why they put it in there. Because these people that were establishing a government didn't trust the government. Keep in mind, that's why they're putting the Bill of Rights in together to begin with, because they don't trust the government to limit itself. And God, wasn't this prescient? Wasn't this the best prediction in the history of the universe? Which is we don't trust the government to limit itself to the enumerated powers we've put in the Constitution. The anti-federalists won that debate, and thank God they did. And frankly, I wish they'd been more cynical and more paranoid about the attempts of the federal government to overreach the enumerated powers and to exceed the enumerated powers they laid out in the Constitution. Because God knows we need it, including this absurd reality we have today, which we've created this whole fourth body of government in the form of regulatory agencies that we've given an ungodly amount of power to that can create rules, that can interpret their own rules. That's legislative and, and, and judicial right there together as being part of the executive branch. Holy smokes. What happened to separation of powers? So they were right to be cynical. They were right to be paranoid. And that's exactly why they put the limitations they did in the Bill of Rights. So that's exactly why they put in an, an, a, the ability to stand up to a tyrannical government in the same document that creates the government. That's the context of exactly the discussion we're talking about and why we they elected to have, and they won the debate on whether we needed a Bill of Rights at all, and thank God they did.